Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. We are starting a new series today uh, called Identity. And over the next six weeks, we are going to be journeying through the book of Ephesians, which is a a book that's written by Paul uh, to the church in Ephesus. And I'm really looking forward to it. It is a rich book. Uh, Ephesus is just a power-packed, rich book filled with profound truths. As Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, exhorting them and encouraging them uh, to understand who they are in Christ. Those two little words, in Christ, keep coming up time and time and time again in the book of Ephesians. And, uh, and, and it's vital as we do this journey for us to understand our identity. Identity is a huge thing, isn't it? We all ask the question, who am I? Who am I? The fundamental question of identity, who am I? And we need to understand who we are. Our identity is important. In fact, every time you have a conversation or do something with a financial institution or a bank uh, or a government department, they want to know who you are. They want to know uh, that who you say you are is really you. They want to know the true identity. And you want to present to them and say, yes, this is me. I am who I say I am. And so we know the process, right? When, you, when you're signing contracts, you're doing anything with organisations and departments, you need to provide a whole range of identification to prove that you are who you say you are, whether it's passports, licence, birth certificates, whatever it is, your ID, your identity. You know, Megan, my beautiful wife, was recently adopted into the nation of Australia, and uh, well, that was that. Yeah, yeah, that was that. That was a few. That was a few years ago, and we did celebrate that at the time. Uh, and as we did the process, Megan had to provide a whole bunch of ID to prove that she was who she said he was. So we, she had to prove. And we got got here. Uh, Megan's birth certificate. Now you can't really read that, but she was born in the state of Michigan, and. Uh, uh, and there's a whole bunch of detail about where she was born, when she was born, her parents, all that kind of stuff. And then she had to produce a marriage certificate, which was proof that she actually got married to me. And where we got married, we got married in London, in Shadwell, by my, uh, my boss at the time, Bishop Rick Thorpe. And there's all the details and information, again, important identity. And then we, uh, we made the move, we could actually get her citizenship. So it was a couple of years ago, she became a citizen of Australia. This is important identification that she is now adopted into uh, her, her, her ontolo- ontology. Your, your personhood has changed, sweetheart. You are a, a far richer person because you are an Australian. And then finally, and finally that meant just a couple of weeks ago, Megan got her passport and uh, she, she doesn't look happy about it. Uh, <laughs> but on it had some important information about name, a nationality, Australian there, sweetheart, Australian, green and gold, green and gold. Um, not the star-spangled banner anymore. It's, it's, you know, I am, you are, we are Australian. Um, uh, 11th of November night, birth, all the, all the details are on there. Important information, our identity. That's who Megan is. It's her true identity. But I know that's, that's, part, that's part of identity, but that's perhaps on a surface level, there is, there's, there's deeper issues when we ask the question, who am I? Who am I? See, when we talk about identity, yeah, we can talk about bits of paper and ID cards and photos, but at a deeper level, the narrative in our culture today asks the question, where do I find... In fact, we've been asking this ever since the beginning of time. What is my purpose? Who am I? Why am I here? Where do I find my sense of happiness, meaning, purpose and joy? 
And in our society, in our context, in our culture today, we are told that we can create our own identity. See, the conversation around identity in our society today has become contested and divisive. And the concept, the idea of identity has been wrapped up in a whole range of other issues, including power and politics, religion and race, gender and sexuality, science and ethics. And so when we consider identity, we ask a couple of questions Is identity something that is bestowed or given to me, or is it something that I create? Or is my identity something that I'm defined by, or is my identity something that I define? And it would seem that our Western secular culture today says that it's something that we discover in and for ourselves. But the danger with this posture is that we end up creating a false identity. I may have shared this story before, but um, a number of years ago, just after Megan and I got engaged in in London, I brought Megan back to Australia uh, for her to meet the family. And, uh, and so I, this is the first time that Megan had been in Australia and I wanted to present everything in a great light, you know. And I, so I wanted everything to be wonderful, introduce it to my family. That seemed to go okay. Obviously, the whole trip went okay because we ended up getting married. Uh, but I remember one moment. I took her out to a restaurant one night and as I was driving, I came up to a, a lights and I needed to do a U-turn. It did say, the sign did say, no U-turn, but I thought I'd just do a cheeky U-turn anyway. And so I did. But what I didn't realise was that there was a police car behind me. And so as soon as I'd done the U-turn, the lights came on, the, the flashing and the, and the sirens. Oh, this is embarrassing. I'm taking my fiancé out and, and, and I'm getting pulled over by the policeman. So, pull over. The policeman gets out of the car and walks to the window, taps on the, <laughs> on the window. I wind down. He says, excuse me, sir, can you show me your licence? As I reach for my wallet, I realise that I only have my UK licence and a very devious thought comes into my mind. And so I grab my UK licence. Because when you live in the UK, you have to switch over. I had to switch, switch over my state licence for my UK licence. So I look up, I grab my licence, I look up at the, at the police officer and say, Hello, officer. <laughs> what? <laughs> What, what seems to be the problem? <laughs> I can tell you, it was a worse accent than something out of Mary Poppins. It was, it was just like, it was terrible, and I handed over my UK licence. Anyway, he said, well, listen, sir, you know, I, you know um, I don't know if you noticed, but you, you did an illegal U-turn. But considering that you're on holidays here, you know, and I'm saying, yes, I'm here with, I'm here with, on holidays with my, uh, my fiance. So, okay, we're not in the business of, uh, of giving out tickets to tourists, but um, if you can just be uh, careful next time not to do it and not take illegal U-turns, then off you go. And so I managed to dodge a, a, a fine because of my excellent, my excellent skills in... Now, that... that I think lying might be a little bit strong there, Jenny. <laughs> False identity. Thank you, I received that forgiveness. I thought it was quite ingenious. We all do it, don't we? You know, we live out this false identity. You know, we present ourselves in a certain way when we, when we walk into church we walk into work, we spend time with our family. See, this is a danger if we believe that we can create and cultivate our own identity based on our own feelings. So we have this true identity, what's true about us, but we also live out a false identity that's imposed on us or something that's received from the culture around us. And when Paul writes... To the church in Ephesus, he is, he is imploring this, this early church, these new believers, to hold true to their true identity in the midst of the pressures of a surrounding culture. See, Ephesus was a, was a, was a significant city. 
It was the capital of Asia Minor in the Roman Empire. And uh, it was, a, it was a, a busy trade port. It was a bustling city. It was a significant, influential city. And, and Paul, as he writes, he's writing, and there are three, three key markers or characteristics about the city of Ephesus. We explored this a little bit a few uh, months ago when we did our Revelation series. But firstly, Ephesus was known uh, for its spirituality. You know, even to this day, people know Ephesus of the Temple of Artemis um, that, that worshipped uh, Dionysus, it was this beautiful temple. People would travel far and wide to come and worship. It was a hub for worship. It was a very spiritual city. It was also a very sensual and sexual city. Temple prostitution was rife. And it was in keeping with the Roman Empire of the time. It celebrated sexual expression in all its forms. And thirdly, it was a political centre. As I said before, it was the capital of, the, uh, of Asia Minor in the Roman Empire. And the pressure was if you wanted to get ahead in civic society, if you wanted to do well in business, if you wanted to do well in that city in that time, you would make the declaration that Caesar is Lord. That would be the way that you would move. This, this homage, this acknowledgement that Caesar is Lord, it's into that context that Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and says, you have a different identity. Instead of declaring and saying, Caesar is Lord, your identity is in Christ. You say that Jesus is Lord. And when you find your identity not in the surrounding culture, when you find your identity in Christ, it liberates you in a profound way. It sets you free in a profound way. People, church in Ephesus, and this is Paul's words for us as we journey as well, is that we are given a new identity. It's our true identity. In the midst of all the false identities that we believe or we receive, there is a true identity and it's found in Christ. And the beautiful thing as we dive in this morning is that we are chosen in Christ. We are chosen in Christ. And so we're going to start in chapter 1, the very beginning. It's a good place to start. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 1. We're going to read the first 14 verses together. The words will be on the screen behind as well if, if you don't have a Bible with you. Ephesians 1, 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing, everybody say, in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace which is freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were, first put, who, were, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Paul says, we are chosen. 
You're chosen. You have been chosen by God in Christ. But we live in a society that's set in a culture and a time and a place that celebrates the ability to choose. We live in a choosy culture. We live in a culture that celebrates choice. You know, it's, it's described as, as the therapeutic age, the age where we are attentive to our authentic feelings. We need to live out our authentic self. We need to be free to create based on how our therapeutic self feels, which means to remove ourselves from the imposition of others or other systems to pursue our authentic self. Carl Truman, in his excellent book, Strange New World, uh, he, he wrote uh, a, a larger tome uh, co- uh, called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. And, uh, and then he's, he's written this book as a bit of a follow-up, a shorter book if you want to check it out. In reflecting on our time and this moment, he writes this. Or am I to understand myself as born free and able to create my own identity? Does education consist in enabling me to express outwardly that which I feel inwardly? Is growing up a process not of learning restraint, but rather of capitalizing on opportunities to perform? My conviction is that the normative self of today, the typical way in which each think of our identity, is one who answers those questions in the affirmative. The modern self assumes the authority of inner feelings and sees authenticity as defined by the ability to give social expression to the same. The modern self also assumes that society at large will recognize and affirm this behavior. Such a self is defined by what is called expressive individualism. And Carl Truman unpacks the journey and looks at the journey of how we got to this place of expressive individualism. And he, and he maps the journey, he goes back to uh, the 18th century to Jean-Jacques Rousseau, merged out of the, 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 Fran- the French Romantic uh, period. Jean-Jacques Rousseau has been highly uh, influential in our current educational systems. And he maps this journey from Jean-Jacques Rousseau to now as to why we are at this place of expressive individualism. And uh, he uses this quote. This is actually Jean-Jacques Rousseau in his own uh, autobiography, Confessions. Rousseau says this, I am resolved on an undertaking that that has no model and will have no imitator. I want to show my fellow men a man in all the truth of nature, and this man is to be myself. The particular object of my confession is to make known my inner self, exactly as it was in every circumstance of my life. It is the history of my soul that I promised, and to relate it faithfully, I require no other memorandum. All I need do, as I have done up until now, is to look inside myself." 300 years on, and I think that still resonates pretty strongly in our culture, in, in, our, uh, in our minds today. See, we are invited to create our own ID, our own identity. And in many ways, these are not necessarily bad things. We all have these I am statements. I'm going to use these I am statements. Things that describe who we are. When we talk about a person, there are things that, that describe their identity. If I was to speak of my own, I'd make some statements that are going to come up. Say, say I'd say that I am a son. I am a son. Is that, you got that one? Yep, cool. I am a son. Sorry if the order might be a little bit wrong here. You have to follow me here. You have to make them up here. Don't add any. Loser, jerk, reject. I am a husband. No, I am a father. You know, all definitions in relational terms. You know, I'm also a pastor. That's my vocation and my job. I am a pastor. I hold responsibility. It's, it's what I do for work. I'm also 
a runner. I may not look like it, but two weeks ago, I dragged my body around the Gold Coast and, and ran 42K. Thank you very much. But actually, I, I don't really run uh, marathons. It's only the second one. But I actually really love running. I really enjoy it. And I'm also, I'm a Queenslander. Yes. I had a very good week this week. This is my jersey personally given to me by Darius Boyd back in the day, and I hold on to it. I am a, I am a proud Queenslander. Anybody else a proud Queenslander in the room? Any, any proud New South Wales people? That's good. That's good, Sandra. You need to, you need to be proud in this moment. Bless you. You know, these are good things. These are good things. They describe who we are. But if we make them intrinsic to our identity, if we make them an ultimate thing in our life, they actually become a burden. They they actually become a a, a curse. See, the challenge of choosing actually becomes a challenge. And there can be two, two pressures that come if we link our identity intrinsically to what we do or our relations. Firstly, there's the pressure that comes with choosing. There is a challenge, I find, in trying to decide, trying to choose. Now, I, I love ice cream. And uh, every now and again, we will take our kids to Messina, at South, South, and some people, some are very excited already. Yes, <laughs> settle down in the back corner there. A bit too much love there for ice cream, the Bronte. The problem with walking into Messina is that there are so many options. And then they have these special ones that they're just for a season and time, they make it up and you look at it and go, man, see for me, I look and I go, there are so many options, but how do I feel right now? And what flavours, what three flavours as I buy are going to just meet my felt needs? I don't know. I, I cannot feel it beforehand. It's just too much. And so what I do often is I go, Megan, you choose and I walk out. Because it's too much. It's true. I just can't do. I just say, you choose, Megan. It's too much. But here's the reality. We are presented with a vista of so many options and choices in our world today that the actual act of choosing, I believe, is overwhelming. When I look at emerging generations and if we have vacated tradition, we have vacated history, We've vacated the common story and we've said, to, we've said to society, you choose. It's no wonder, I think, that we are battling through a pandemic of anxiety. That people are feeling incredibly overwhelmed. See, the pressure to choose, the pressure to be our own God to determine and decipher how our inward emotions and feelings need to be structured in a way that surround us and constitute us, that's a big pressure to be our own God. It's a pressure to choose. And secondly, there's a pressure then to perform. Our identity becomes performative. We perform our identity on a watching world. And what ends up happening is as we perform this, there is always the inward knowledge of who we really are and there is always the risk of failure. It always is with performing. So let's come back to the I am statements for a moment. No, I said I am a son. I am a husband. I am a father. You know, some of us may find our identity in our relations We might find our identity in the fact that we are a child in our parents. I've got to say, this was a significant journey for me when I was in my 20s. So desperately wanted to please and perform for my parents. Not that they ever put that on me, but that's how I perceived the world I needed to perform. It was crushing. And it was liberating when I realised that I didn't need to do it. But so many people 
live out of their relational terms, their identity is in their relationship, or it might be as a spouse and you do everything you can for your other half, desperately wanting to please because your identity is so intrinsically wrapped up in the other person or in your children. Now, if your children fail or if your children let you down or they, they, they leave you or there is broken, that would just be crushing to you. See, we see so often we create our identity in relational terms or it might be in performative terms. As I said, I am, I am a pastor. You know, so often when, when we're having those conversations at a party or in a social event, it's like, what do you do? What do you do? And there is something that builds in us and we're told over time, this has not always been the case throughout history, but certainly since the, uh, the Industrial Revolution, our identity is based in what we do, we, how we perform in our work. Our identity is based on what we do. And so if it's, take, if it's taken away from us, our whole world collapses. Talk to people who say that. And if they don't say it, they live it in their life. Everything, their identity is wrapped up in how they perform in their career, in their workplace. And it may be simple things like, you know, as I said, it might be just a hobby. I'm a, a runner or I am a musician. Or we, we, we place our identity to those things that we're good at. Or, you know, <laughs> when Queensland actually do lose, you know... <coughs> world comes crashing down. Whatever it is, see, we, we place our identity in these things, but it's a high pressure to perform. Our identity becomes performance. And that pressure leads to anxiety. It leads to disappointment. It leads to f- failure. And ultimately, it leads to slavery. Because that thing that you thought would constitute you, that would give you identity, you ultimately become a slave to it whether it's that activity, that career, that person, whatever it is. We begin to live out a false identity. And that false identity comes from this place of believing that I choose. I choose my identity. This is a false. The false identity is I choose my identity and I am responsible for creating it. I choose my identity and am responsible for creating it. But here's the good news as Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. He says that we don't choose, we have been chosen. More than that, he says in verse 4, we've been chosen before creation. We've been chosen before creation. Now, who, li- who here likes to be chosen? There's something about being chosen which is nice. I used to hate junior, junior high was tough because you remember how you'd line up on a wall before a game or a sporting event and they'd choose two captains and then the two captains, one at a time, would choose who they wanted on their team. Anyone remember that? Anyone have PTSD from that? That's me because the reality is you were, the, the, the people who were selected first were selected on two really clear paradigms or criteria. One, you were actually skilled, you were good at the game, you were sporty, or secondly, you were popular. If you weren't proficient and you weren't popular, then you were the last. That was me in grade eight. I'm still working it through. This is good therapy for me, people. Appreciate you just being part of this. There's something nice about being chosen and chosen. And Paul says, you've been chosen, but you've been chosen before creation. What does that mean? That means he chose you before you ever did anything. You couldn't even prove yourself. You you didn't even have a chance to say, I'm worthy of being chosen. No, 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 no. God chose you before you were even created. That is wonderful. That is a profound thought. And as we look at creation, we see that God created us in his own image. That he he gave us purpose. He chose us and said, I'm choosing you and I am placing my image on you. So when you look at your identity, when people ask for your identity, this is my passport, you go up. They say, can we look at your passport? And you go, yeah, absolutely. You can look at that and you can see my photo. See that photo? That carries the image of God. (laughs) 
This is the image of God. You know, that we have been made in the image of God. You know, sometimes we look at our, 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 our face in the mirror and go, that, that's not the Imago Dei right there. That's something else, but that's not the image of God. And sometimes we feel like that. But the truth is, is that we have been given an identity. We are, to put it in another language, we are living statues. We have been created in the image of of the living God, we are representatives of God in creation. God chose us. He created us and he gave us, he placed on us his own glory. Do you believe that? Do you believe that this morning? You don't need to edit or change your photo to make it more like the image of God. You don't need to put some kind of filter and then put it on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, whatever it is to increase your value. Your value is intrinsic in the fact that God has chosen you and he has created you. The tragedy of the story is, and the reason why we feel insecure in who we are, the reason why we feel like we need to present and perform in a certain way to a watching world is because we have chosen to reject God. And when you look at, the, at, at creation, we, we journey through the first three chapters of Genesis, Genesis 1, 2, and 3, we see tragically that even though added, the story Adam and Eve, the narrative, which is our narrative too, God created us, humanity in his image, created us to be in loving relationship with him, to be in this world, to enjoy life in this world. He also gave choice. See, for love to take place, there is always got to be the choice or else we'd be robots. And if there's robots, there is no love. So God creates us in love and we know the story, right? Adam and Eve chose to reject God. They actually chose to say, no, we want to be like God. We want to be our own gods. And see, that's their story. It's our story. Every one of us has made that choice of going, it's okay. Thank you. I appreciate that, God, but I'm actually choosing myself. I'm going to image myself. And you see, as soon as the fruit is eaten, Adam and Eve become aware of their own nakedness. They realize that now they are responsible for creating and curating their own identity. They've stepped outside that beautiful identity with God. And that's our story as well. And so our life is filled with insecurity, but that doesn't change the fact that God has chosen us before creation. We need to take hold of our love, Psalm 139. My frame, uh, David says, was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God has pressed his image on our lives. He has chosen us. Paul says... For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. What's the key two little words there? In him, in Christ. So Paul goes on to say in verse 5, In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. We have not, be, not just been chosen before creation. We've been chosen in him before creation. We have been chosen in Christ. It's in Christ. We've been chosen in Christ. See, here's the, here's the wonderful news, people. The first Adam failed. Adam and Eve, they failed. And in, in, in and through Adam and Eve, we fail. We have chosen. But that's not the end of the story. God has a bigger plan. Jesus, God chose himself to step down from heaven to earth and rescue and redeem us. And Paul writes in Romans chapter 5 these words, he says, For if by the trespass or the sin of one man, that being Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? See, we are chosen in Christ. 
Paul is saying that we can know forgiveness, freedom, this new identity. In fact, we have been chosen. God has come to us and said, I choose you through Christ and in Christ. I have made a way. I love you. I'm choosing you. As Karl Barth, the Swiss theologian says, he says, in Christ Jesus, he has chosen man from all eternity as his own for life in his kingdom, to be a member of his people, his possession. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. We can't even make our way towards it. We have no capacity to work our way towards grace and mercy. We cannot work our way towards this this new identity. It's God who has come for us. This is confronting for us again in our individualistic age, which wants to say, oh, no, 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 it's on my terms. It's not on our terms. It's on the terms of a loving, gracious God who says, you can't and you don't need to. I choose you. Not because of what you've done. Not because of what you haven't done. But because I choose you. And I choose you in Christ. I have made a way. And so our true identity is this. Can everybody say, I am chosen? Come on, say, I am chosen. You are chosen. Our true identity is this. I am chosen. But here's the other point that Paul wants to make. We need to receive. This is going to sound a little bit funny. We need to receive that chosenness. We need to receive that chosenness. Paul says in verse 13 these words, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit. It's the when. See, that notice that? You were included in Christ, what? When you heard the message of Jesus and when you believed. See, we need to receive the chosenness. We need to receive the fact that we've been chosen. We can, we can reject the fact that we've been chosen or we can receive the fact. We can receive the invitation for us. This is a liberating thing. We can say, thank you, God, that you have chosen me in Christ. I'm free. I don't need to perform anymore. So the true, our true identity is this. I am chosen. So we said, I am chosen in Christ who gifts me every spiritual blessing. And I'm coming to land now. I'm chosen in Christ who gives me every spiritual blessing. Now I've been thinking about, this is, this is a really imperfect analogy, but I've been thinking about Charlotte and George, you know, William and Kate, so I think she's had another one as well. They're the two that came to mind. Um, I'm, not a, I'm, not a, I'm not a really strong follower of the royal family. Um, you imagine those kids, they've been born into royalty. They didn't get a choice. They were born into royalty and they have access to all the blessings and perhaps the curses of being part of the royal family. It's imperfect because we haven't been born in, we've been adopted in. Paul says God sees each one of us and he adopts us. He chooses us in Christ to have access to every spiritual Blessing, every spiritual blessing. We've been chosen, we've been adopted in, and we have access to the kingdom of God. And Paul writes, it's almost this passage is like a, it's one of the longest sentences in the Bible. And it's almost like it's this effusive praise. He just breathes it out, all the things that we have access to in Christ. Come on, let me read it for you and let your hearts be filled with joy and life this morning. From verse seven, in him we have the redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches, the riches of God's grace that he lavished upon us. I mean, these are rich words. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment 
to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promise Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. Can I hear an amen? amen. Here's the good news that we've been chosen We've been adopted. We have been redeemed. God has brought us back. We have been forgiven. We have access to the richness of His grace. And we have eternal life. We have this great hope and Paul lands in this place. Hey, you have been given a deposit by the Holy Spirit that sits inside us, which witnesses to our eternal hope when heaven and earth will be restored and made new and Jesus will reign. That is our hope, but we can walk with something of a deposit in us now. We have access to all the riches of the kingdom, all the riches of the kingdom. Do you believe that this morning? Yes. Awesome, Brenda. We do. And if you don't believe it, you better start believing it because that is what it means to live as a daughter and a son of the King. You know, so often we do, don't we? I didn't use it before. But we look in the mirror and we don't see a child of God. We don't see someone who was created in the image of God. We don't see someone who has been chosen in Christ. We don't see someone who has access to all the riches of the kingdom. We don't see ourselves as sons and daughters of the king. We don't see ourselves as having the same access to everything that Jesus has access to. That's what Paul is saying. Something happens for those of us. Now, let me speak to those who are Christians here today. You make this step. And you go, yeah, 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 I become a Christian. Yeah, I take it. I receive that. I receive the salvation that's promised. Yeah, yeah, it would be wonderful. Over time, we, we begin to f- forget. We begin to f- forget what God has given us, what He has lavished on us. Here's the good news. It doesn't matter what you see in the mirror. The good news of being in Christ is that we are free to not create our own identity. We're free to not create our identity. It doesn't matter what you do or what you don't do. God has chosen you. He liberates you, sets you free. I reckon just for a moment, I'd love for us to pause. And across this room, I don't know everyone's story here today. I don't know what your journey is. I don't know what you've walked through. But God wants you to know that He chooses you. And your response is to receive. I reckon maybe that might be for today, somebody for the first time. And we create a moment for that. And for others here today, it will be a returning. I'm just going, oh, I've, I've forgotten. I've actually forgotten what it is to walk in the liberation of a God who gives me an identity in Him. I wonder whether we can just close our eyes for a moment, just across this room. Here's what I'd love to lead you right now is, I want to ask you the question, what does it look like to live in the identity of Christ that we've just been celebrating? What does it look like to live with, without the pressure to perform? What does it look like to live without having to justify and create your own existence? What does it look like to live without having to find your meaning and your purpose in what you do or the relationships that you have? For those of you here today who you just... 
it's been a challenge, it's been a struggle. You know that you're somehow along the journey, your identity's drifted and it's become contingent on other things, anything other than Christ. Just invite you just to say, God, forgive me. God, I'm sorry. Just with every head bowed and every eye closed, I um, I'd just love to create an opportunity for anybody here who perhaps you, this is your first time in church, your first time in church for a long time and you found yourself, you've returned or, or maybe, maybe you just felt compelled to be here this morning. And, and if you're honest, you'd say that you're not in Christ, that you haven't received Christ And just as you sit here, you go, I want that. I want to be in Christ. I want to know redemption and forgiveness and grace and the hope for eternity. Well, the invitation is to receive it this morning. Say, I'm going to make Jesus Lord. I'm going to receive his grace afresh today. And so if that is you, or maybe, it's, maybe you've walked away and, it's, and for you it's a recommitment today. It's a returning just with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to invite you to something um, just to indicate this and just because I'd love to lead you in a prayer. It's just to stick your hand up high in the sky. If that's you this morning, you want to be in Christ today. So every head bowed and every eye closed, just stick your hand up high in the sky. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Anyone else? For the first time you're returning, just stick your hand up high in the sky. Anyone else? Anyone else? Awesome. I'd just love to lead, lead you in a prayer this morning if that's you. Have you stuck your hand up or, or not, and, but you want this to be your prayer? Just, just pray this after, after me right now. Dear Lord Jesus. I thank you that you came for me. Come on, let's just all pray it out loud if you're willing, just as above a whisper. I thank you that you died for me. I recognize that I'm a sinner. And I've walked away from you. Forgive me. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your redemption. I receive your life. Come and fill me. I make you Lord of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Why don't we just, uh, why don't we just celebrate with those who prayed that for the first time, the first time in a long time. Hey, if you are on a journey of faith here today, you're exploring I'd love to direct you to the Alpha course. We start Alpha Online this Tuesday night and I'll be hosting it with the Church Online team and I'd love for you to join. Or if you know someone, you haven't invited them yet or you'd love to explore faith, you're still putting things together, you may be in Christian a while, let me invite you, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. on Zoom, online, starting this Tuesday. Great course, love to, love to have you join us along for that. You can register, use the QR codes online. We'd love to have you. Hey, here's what I'd love us to do. I'm going to get the band to come up. And we're going to worship and we're going to sing a song that, uh, that you may know. I am who you say I am. And make that declaration. But before we do that, I'd love to pray for a group of people. And I'd love to pray for those who, as you've been sitting here today, you're a Christian. But somewhere along the line, your identity's got all mixed up and you've lost the fact that you're a son or daughter of the king. And that you've, you've been building other things in your life and been walking with anxiety and insecurity based on how you're perceived in the world around us. And today you just want to say, this is going to sound strange, but God, I receive your chosenness again. 
I receive your chosenness again. I receive your identity over me again. If that's you right now, you just want to make that public statement saying, I'm receiving your identity again, God. I'm stepping in that again. I'm just going to invite you to stand right where you are. If that's you, come on, just stand, because I'd love to pray for you. I receive my identity in Christ again. Come on, I reckon there's a bunch of people who just need to do it. I receive my identity in you again. Anybody else, I want to pray for you this morning. And then we're going to sing and we're going to worship and take hold of these truths. Anyone else? Hey, just what people around sitting, just, just lay a hand on them. Come on, we do this sometime in the city. Don't feel too weird. Just lay a hand on their shoulder. Um, bless them. And I'm going to pray for them afresh this morning. And then we're going to sing. Come, Holy Spirit. God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord God, that you never leave us, nor do you forsake us. And even though we so easily slide into the lies of of a surrounding world that says that our identity is found in other things, it's found in our relationships, it's found in the things that we do, the things that we own, the things that we have, whatever it is, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you set us free from those. And God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit right now, you will put the deposit, a reminder, in their hearts right now of who you are, that the Spirit of God would just resonate in their hearts and truth will break free. Truth will reign, Lord God, in their hearts that they will afresh just know the identity that they find in you. Pour out your grace, pour out your spirit, pour out your power, pour out your goodness on them. God, may they walk out of this place set free. New people found in you, found in Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we are. We are new people. We are found in here, chosen before the creation of the world, chosen in Christ Jesus. Thank you that we have access to every spiritual blessing in Christ. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Well, come on, why don't we stand to our feet? Let's worship. Let's take hold of these truths this morning. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to encourage you in your journey. Help us help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and clicking on Get Connected.